0: My name is Amy Apgar, and I'm a freshman biomedical engineer at Trine University.
1: And I'm Megan, and I'm a freshman as well, and I'm also studying biomedical engineering. And today we're going to kind of explore some different ideas that me and Amy have been thinking up on, and um, yeah. So in our humanities class recently, we just read a book, and it was called The Library of the Unwritten by A.J. Hackwith. Now, personally, I was a big fan. I was 10 out of 10 would recommend the book for sure. Me, not as much. (laughs) (laughs) But um, just to give you guys a quick summary, um, it's kind of a wild time in that book. There was some main characters, and they were traveling between some realms, and um, they touched on heaven and hell, and they went to Valhalla and the Forgotten Realm. And um, it was all based in the unwritten library, and this is a place in hell where um, books that never get finished. They never get an ending to their story. They end up here and there's a librarian and she watches after the books. And we kind of ex- um, follow her around in her journey with some other supporting characters. In this book, it touches up on
0: magic and how characters of books can come to life and weave their books to go to earth and find their authors so they can finish their books. And it talks a lot about traveling and how they use magic to travel between the realms like Valhalla, earth, heaven, hell, and a forgotten realm.
1: Um, we also like, they touch on how these are really imaginary spaces, while well, here on Earth we cannot travel to these types of imaginary spaces, but there are some imaginary spaces that we see here in um, on Earth in the mortal world, and um, we're going to kind of try to explore some of those here today, but um, we're going to try to focus on imaginary places and people, and how people play a key role in this society that we live in today. Um, and then how people travel to these imaginary spaces but it's really only for a small amount of time so it's temporary and also that the rules are different um we're going to travel to disney world we're going to go to all these cool places but um just because in the movie this they act one way when you're here on earth you gotta act a different way so a very interesting article i found is called world
0: building by marta Boni. And in that article, it says we can construct different possible worlds by combining a set of properties differently or simply by changing a single property. In particular, we can create a possible world starting from our real world by altering even a single property. So basically, imaginary worlds all stem from our real world, real life. And imaginary worlds are brought to life in love because it's something people want to experience. They want to have fun. No one would just want any book to come to life or any movie to come to life. Like, I would not go to an amusement, amusement park that's themed like Saw. I don't want to be there. But Disney World, on the other hand, that sounds pretty fun.
1: I also read through that same article, found some different things that I were, found really interesting. Um, it kind of talked about the fact of possible worlds. Now, we have these imaginary worlds, but are they possible? Are we able to make them? So I found a few quotes, and um, one of them is, a possible world is a possible state of affairs expressed by a set of relevant propositions, where every proposition, either possible or non-possible, as such outlines a set of possible individuals along with their properties. So that was a mouthful, but just kind of moving right along to my next quote. I have, um, they, they have no ontological existence, unlike the parallel universe described by science fiction writers, which lie on different planes of reality but are not less real than ours. So um, I know what you guys are thinking, you're probably thinking, what in the world is ontological? Because I had to look it up as well when I was looking through this. Um, And the dictionary definition is the branch of metaphysics dealing with the nature of being. So this is alluding to imaginary spaces, like can these spaces actually become something real to us? Um, And building these imaginary worlds can actually be quite a difficult task because there's some things that we really just can't bring to life because in imaginary world there's magic and stuff like that where here on earth we really can't do those sorts of things.
0: Yeah, and there's some pretty popular imaginary spaces for people like the Marvel Universe, Disney, Star Wars, Avatar, Harry Potter. They've, a lot of them have come to life in amusement parks like Disney World and Disneyland and Universal Studios because it's something that people really want to experience. So another article that we looked into is called Disney Culture by John Wills. And it shows that Disney culture is a powerful force connecting the United States and the world. It communicates across territorial, religious, political, and cultural divides. So basically it, it's really doing a great job at bringing people together over something that's completely imaginary. Um, something pretty interesting that happened is that Disneyland's It's a Small World was originally designed for Pepsi at the 1964 New York World's Fair. And it was a water-based 15 minute journey across the globe.
1: That's really crazy because earlier in the semester, we talked about the World's Fair, the Chicago one, but it's crazy to see that it's connecting to other things that we're talking about and learning about in here. Yeah, everything is
0: connected in some way. So for Walt Disney, childhood represented a realm of innocence and simplicity. Cartoons reconnected him with the romantic spirit of youth, and Disney culture is fundamentally a culture of childhood. So n- anything that has to do with your childhood or good times earlier in life is pretty nostalgic, and that's why people are so touched when they get to experience it again.
1: Also in there, you, you actually said the word realm, which we touched on earlier. Um, Disney World is a different realm that we're going to travel to and that we're going to be able to experience these different things. So that's pretty cool. But I also read through that same article and found a little bit more information as well. Um, Over the past century, Disney has grown from a small American animation studio into a multi-pronged global media giant. It really is. It's worldwide. It's not just here in the United States. Everyone in the world is wanting to experience these imaginary spaces, this imaginary world, because it just brings so much happiness to us. Thinking back, like you said, Amy, to our childhoods, th- how we felt when we were younger, stuff like that.
0: Yeah, everyone wants to experience that.
1: Um, kind of found a fun fact in there that I really wanted to throw in. has a quick little <laughs> joke mixed in, so hopefully I'll catch on to that. But in 2013, Disney released the animated story of two princesses, Anna and Elsa coming to terms with their emotions and powers in a magical ice kingdom. The movie frozen became a box office sensation. So successful that media spoke of frozen fever in the frozen phenomenon from sippy cups to karaoke booths, to ice shows and movies. The movies were seen everywhere. Children watched the film so many times that parents fear feared addiction issues. Children being unable to let it go. (laughs) That was a good one, Megan. (laughs) Um, but this is kind of leading to my next point um disney movies are really getting um remade so there's original the original cinderella was on VHS vhs tapes which i don't know about you amy but i don't have a vhs tape i don't know anything that takes that anymore so um they these movies have to be remade they had to be um put onto discs now and um even moved to sources like disney plus which has all these different kinds of movies but um kind of like cool idea that all these movies kind of are already created and they're remaking them just so everyone, every single child in the world has the experience of growing up with these imaginary spaces um, that Disney has created for us.
0: Yeah, and there's some key timeline dates that we found that are pretty important. In 1955, in July, after a year of construction, Disneyland opened with a gala celebration for 10,000 invited guests. The live ABC telecast drew 90 million viewers, the largest audience to have ever tuned into a single program at that time. So that really just shows how many people the Disney culture is really impacting and how many people are in that community. In September of 1955, within seven weeks of the grand opening, Disneyland welcomed its one millionth guest. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, very big crowd
1: yeah exactly it's worldwide this isn't just in the united states people across the world want to experience the imaginary spaces that disney is bringing to life um another date that we found was 1959 in june the new adventures exemplified the legacy that imagineers had upheld for decades using groundbreaking technologies to tell stories in immersive and innovative ways so i just kind of wanted to point this out they call them imagineers like they're not just engineers. They're people bringing imaginary items to life. Now, it's, that's quite a task, as I mentioned earlier. It can be pretty hard to bring magic and stuff into a real life experience. And also, as it said in that um, in that key date, that they they're just trying to tell the stories of what really happened. So they're trying to tell the movie story in a real life thing, so that um, in a real life space where people can that live on Earth and in the mortal world are able to go and experience.
0: And it's probably pretty hard to interpret that, too, because many people imagine one story totally different ways sometimes. Oh, for sure. So in 1986, um, W.E.D. Enterprises was actually renamed Walt Disney Imagineering, which is actually a blending of the words imagination and engineering, as Megan spoke of. And it's to better reflect its unique combination of creative imagination and technical skills. So something we really wanted to focus on is the Harry Potter world. So at Universal Studios, they actually have a Harry Potter park specifically for that imaginary world. And
1: um, kind of touching on that, uh, we, as I said earlier, there's rules in... In the in Harry Potter, there's rules within that space, but there's also r- rules here on Earth. Um, so when you go to Harry Potter, you will still have to wear a mask in this day and age. just because yeah, they don't wear a mask in um, the Harry Potter movies or in those stories, that's just something that we're gonna have to conform to, bringing those real world or imaginary worlds into a real world environment. Also you're gonna have to wait in line for the rides and stuff. Now, you, those rules have to be enforced. You can't just go haywire and go run up and be on the n- next um, ride. So, and in Hogwarts, you don't ever see them waiting in line. So there's some things that we just can't make connections to. You're going to have to wait in line when you go to the Hogwarts experience in Disney World. That's the
0: cost of bringing an imaginary world to life. <laughs> For sure. So two major parts of the park in Universal Studios is Hogsmeade and Diagon Alley. And there's also the Hogwarts Express, Platform 9 and 3 quarters. They really try to bring every detail of the book to life. There's even Gringotts Bank, where you can trade your actual U.S. currency for Gringotts banknotes in 10 or $20 increments. And that money can be spent at places in Diagon Alley. So it really seems like you're a character in Harry Potter, walking through the town, buying stuff. And it's pretty insane that you can actually do that and it's really brought to
1: life yeah yeah i mean you're, you're spending your gringotts on wands that can be the mirror image of of actual harry potter's wand which is so crazy i mean i'd love to have harry potter's wand to carry around and cast spells on everyone but um you can even buy other wands there that don't necessarily look like the ones in the movies but um some other things that you can do there there's a dark art show at the Hogwarts castle, but this is another thing where imaginary spaces brought into real world kind of gets a little dicey. Um, we don't have dark arts <laughs> here on Earth, really? so um, we're gonna have to mix it up a little bit. So they do a simulation in that, um, project it up on the wall, kind of make it look like my wand is spend- sending sending an electrical current to you or something like that. So. Just a few little changes, but it's still doing. They're still doing a great job of bringing that experience to life for the for the kids, for um, adults, everything like that. Um, also, there's uh, Harry Potter in the Forgotten Journey. It's a ride through the castle with Harry Potter. Now, Harry Potter is not a real person. Just kind of throw that out there real quick. So, um, obviously, Harry's fake. Um, but she's trying to make that a real life journey. Um, even on the ride, you're on a ride. You're not actually going through the journey. But um, it's really bringing it to life. Um, and also, they have a ride where it's um, escape from Gringotts bank-, bank. So, again, you're on a ride. You're not actually like going through it. But they make it so realistic that you're like in that world. And it's so crazy to think that these imaginary worlds are brought to life. And you can be a part of them if you want to be a part of them.
0: Yeah, I actually went on the ride, Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey, and they make it so realistic. Like, yeah, you wait in a line, you get on this little roller coaster, but once you reach the inside of the castle, everything around you is a projection simulation. They have the fire-breathing dragon, and there's actually fire... So it gets hot, and then they have, like, spray water that comes on you. It's just so realistic, and it really feels like you're in the movie. It's amazing. And touching up on the wands that Megan was talking about, you can purchase a wand at Ollivanders, and you can even be the chosen one. So it makes kids feel, like, special, just like Harry Potter. And those wands that you purchase, if you purchase a more expensive one obviously <laughs> you can actually interact with surroundings on Diagon Alley and Hogsmeade and you can wave your wand in front of certain aspects of the town and objects will actually move but don't worry it's not real magic it's <laughs> fake <laughs> there's also the Leaky Cauldron which is an immersive dining experience where it feels like you're actually in the city and I actually ate there too and oh, it was wow. it felt like I was literally in the movie like <laughs> The food doesn't seem magical, but the place and the atmosphere definitely seems magical. And on the way out, I was able to buy some clothes and gear and accessories to make me feel like a Gryffindor. And it was pretty interesting.
1: <laughs> um, that, that's crazy, Amy. <laughs> um, kind of touching on like the temporary aspect of these spaces that I mentioned earlier on. Um, in Disney World, um, I don't know about you, Amy, but I'm not staying there for the rest of my life. I'm not going to yeah. go live there kind of just to um get me out of my everyday experience let me have some fun let me get into my nostalgic ideas of what happened when I was younger and stuff like that so Disney World is definitely nostalgic so is Harry Potter World
0: (laughs) yeah and in general imaginary spaces although you might want to stay there forever you don't really want to (laughs) you want to take a step back just for a little bit enjoy the moment and then back to the real life and I think that's why imaginary spaces are so popular and so interesting is because it's just very nostalgic. and
1: You can step away from your real life for a second. You're not, you're not stressing out about your job or school or anything like that. You're going and you're going to have a good time just because you're, those are the memories that you remember from when you were a kid.
0: Yeah, so all in all, imaginary places, they play a major role in our society and that's not a bad thing. Oh
1: yeah, I'm glad they do. <laughs> But, um, thanks for tuning in, listening to us, um, and yeah.